Welcome to Make It Count, proudly presented by Bendigo Bank, the podcast that's here to help with family finance. I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy, and we are from Two Peas in a Podcast. Join us as we share our real experiences and get helpful tips from experts along the way. As always, this episode contains general information only and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make It Count. On today's episode, we spoke with the amazing Canna Campbell. Oh, Canna Campbell is the founder of Sugar Mama TV. She's a financial advisor and an author, amongst many other things, and I really enjoyed talking to her. Yes, yeah, so did I. What an awesome woman. Oh, What a refreshing conversation we had. Yes. I came out of it feeling like living our dream lifestyle maybe isn't out of my yeah. reach. It's just actually about thinking about it and being prepared, which is something that I probably don't do enough of. Yeah, it's true. And this interview was brilliant as Canna provided valuable insight on achievable ways to allow ourselves Mm. to plan to live our dream lifestyle. She talked about budgeting, investing, saving, reducing our debt, and even when you could start thinking about retirement, which is fascinating. It really was, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd hear you say. No! Mm, Why well, middle age now? Yes. Look, I learned so much, Mandy. I liked that Canna focused a lot on the values behind our goals yes. too. One of my favourite things to do is to go on holidays with my family and if I could afford to do it regularly, I would. So when I spoke to her and I said, this is why I want to do that, and she was like, that's a valuable reason. Yes. So I felt less guilty and I thought maybe it's not so out of reach. That's right. And I would love to be able to do those things too. Mm. So we can live our dream lifestyle by making a few changes. Yeah, like dumping your foxtail. Yeah, totally. And so I can't wait to book a holiday. Oh, Imagine. Me I know. With all that said, I think it's time to hit play on our yeah. awesome conversation with Canna Campbell so our listeners can make it count. Welcome to Make It Count with Two Peas, and thanks for chatting with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing everything you have to offer to make it count today. Let's get going with the first question. Do you think a dream lifestyle is achievable, and what even is a dream lifestyle? Surely it's different for everyone. Absolutely. It's all about finding balance and finding also the right balance, the right time of our lives. You know, we want it all, but we can't necessarily have it all at the same time. So it's about working with the situation you've got to the best of your ability, understanding what's going on within your resources. And, you know, I always use the analogy of the ocean. It's always moving. You've got to learn to ride the waves and learn how to read the currents and the rips. And when it's beautiful, clear skies and flat ocean, that's when, you you know, you can move smoothly and efficiently. It's always an evolving situation. It's never just stagnant. There's always different opportunities, different challenges. You're in a different headspace when it comes to you know money and building that dream lifestyle. Mm. Is there any key steps we should take to ensure that we could afford a dream lifestyle or we can? Absolutely. When it comes to managing your money and building that lifestyle goal, which ultimately is a financial goal behind that lifestyle goal, I always recommend the first place someone starts is by doing a budget, mm. knowing where your money goes. I mean, how many times do we get to the end of our pay cycle, say if it's a fortnight or a month and go, where is all my money gone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, all the time. And it, the thing is, is, that's okay if it's going, but at least know where it's going and make yes. sure it's matched to your value system mm. so that you're not wasting money. You can actually go, you know what? Okay, well, I spent $4,000 this month, but that was 
my rent and I my electricity and my grocery bill and my gym membership and my mobile phone, like just know where it's going. So having a budget is not about being frugal or depriving yourself of those important things that you love. It's just about knowing where your money goes. And that is, you're well within your right to know it. It's a great starting place because that then allows a mindfulness where you can really fine tune what stays and what goes or what gets cut down, whether it be permanent or temporary. So I remember when I went through a period of my life and I realized I wasn't watching television. I don't need to pay Foxtel. So I can't Foxtel. I have since got Foxtel back. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there was $80 a month. I was like, I don't really need that. And mobile phone plans, you know, when you sit down and do a budget, it brings that awareness. You're like, oh gosh, my mobile phone plan's $120 a month. Do I really need to be on the latest phone or do Mm. I really use all that data? Or maybe I could just not use it as much. It just brings that awareness where it puts you back in the driving seat and you decide, all right, I value that or I don't value that or I have to have that because I don't have a choice. Whereas maybe you don't have that as much. And I really believe that if you are living a squanderless life, by reducing some of those, that excessiveness, you learn to appreciate them so much more. Mm, That's probably really true. I remember someone in my life said to me when I was young, there's a lot of freedom in budgets, Mandy. And this was an older person in my life. And I remember thinking, but but actually I can see what that person was saying now as I've got older and wiser. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big on the analogies. Bear with me. But I'm like, budgets are playground. You know, when you take a kid to a playground, most of the time they've got a nice safe fence all the way around it so that the kid can go nuts in that playground with all this equipment that's been designed to keep children active and fit and healthy, but also safe. Hmm. They can't escape the boundaries. And that's all a budget is. It keeps you playing to your heart's content within the safe boundary of a budget. Yeah, that's a great mm, picture to nice, have in our yes. mind. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely can picture a playground with children. Yes, <laughs> we sure can. <laughs> um, life, though, gets really busy and tricky and sometimes unexpected bills come in. Mm. Life gets really busy and tricky and sometimes unexpected bills come in. Why do you think, given all that, that we should set aside spending money for ourselves and our families? Well, I'm going to change it from spending money to emergency money. I think that's probably uh, what we really need here. Look, we're not invincible. COVID has been such a massive wake-up call for all of us. You know, you may Uh have been in a really strong, secure job, but your industry wasn't safe and secure. Your hours got cut down. Your entitlements changed. You know, you did pay cut just to keep your job. It's really quite incredible what has gone on in our world over the last 18 months. No one, as I said, is invincible and particularly not financially invincible. So, We all need emergency money. Even the wealthy need emergency money. The thing is, though, this belief that it's a certain magical formula as to how much emergency money, that's where I think there's a lot of mixed messages and confusion. And simply the answer is when someone says to me, how much emergency money do I really need? Mm. And that is everyone's different. There's no magical formula. You need to work out what is right for you. And it doesn't have to be called emergency money. I call it your sleep well at night money. You Mm. would look at your financial situation. You go, okay, well, I've only got 10 days of annual leave accumulated and I've used up all my sick leave. And, you know, I've got a, a parent that's elderly that lives interstate and I've got a pet that's quite sick at the moment. And yes, I do have pet insurance, but the excess on that's $1,500 or, you know, my car's due to be replaced soon. Like you need to look at your individual situation, look at your expenses, looking at, you know, your, the size of your family, your stability of your job, your entitlements, what savings you already have. And that's how you work out your emergency money. There's no magical formula, but the thing with emergency money, it is so important. And the reason why is it's when 
we get caught by surprise financially, like an unexpected bill comes in. We just get hit with a, you know, a tsunami of bills. I think for me, for the month of June and July and August, I have, I think, 80% of my family members were all born in those months. So yes. it's a really yes. for me. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like shelling out birthday party money, birthday gifts, just yep. continuously for those three solid months. That's when we get into trouble, when we don't mm. plan and prepare our finances, which I call almost stockpiling or having a financial float account. That's mm. when we get into trouble because all of a sudden we're caught out and go, wow, I need you know $1,500 to pay my rego and car insurance that I forgot about it is due. Or, oh my goodness, I just cracked a tooth and I've now got to go to the dentist to spend $600. And this is what happened to me actually the other month. I broke four teeth. Four? I know, I know. Isn't that insane? It's like one of those bad nightmares where all your teeth falls out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was literally happening to me in real life. Wow. That was a reminder. That's why I have my emergency money because Mm. I was able to make those appointments and turn up and pay those bills and I really also believe when we are in a, a toxic situation where we're in debt, it's very self-destructive. You know, we can think, oh, well, I'm already in debt by $2,500. What's another $500? Mm. It'll just be $3,000 of debt now. Mm. And that's how quite often I hear and speak with people who've gone from being $1,000 in debt to then $2,500 to debt to $5,000. Yeah. It snowballs the wrong way mm. in the yeah. wrong direction. So mm. you've got to have emergency money. You've got to be realistic. You've got to look at your situation and round everything up. And the other big thing is sometimes when things go wrong in life, sometimes they happen in three. So when you look at your situation and go, okay, well, my industry is not that liable or my job's commission-based or you know, I've got a big mortgage repayment every month, you need to think about, okay, well, what would happen if three disasters happen in your situation? Mm. That's, again, how you work out that emergency money. And it happens. Mm-hmm. And it happens to everyone. You might be brilliant with money. You still need emergency money. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I agree. I love emergency yes. money. Yes. <laughs> I, I do. And I just think even if something happened to one of my friends or something, I can, yeah, say, she can, I can help. help you. Yeah. Like yes. it's just horrible feeling helpless. That's so, right. Mm. Ah, what about lifestyle goals? I'm pretty sure you have some lifestyle goals. How should we set out some of them for ourselves? Okay. So- I believe for me, you know, when it comes to lifestyle goals, you know, there's five pillars for me. So there's, you know, the physical goals, which is about your health and well-being, the intellectual goals, which is about obviously your intellectual growth and awareness over the world. There's spiritual goals, which can be anything from religion to mindfulness, Mm -hmm. your relationship goals, connection with yourself and with your family members and your friends. Then there is the financial goals. So Mm. being a financial planner, I'll just focus on the one. Are we talking here for all night yeah. long? But financial goals, I don't believe in having too many goals because it's like juggling lots of balls. You can easily drop one. But having some really simple ones that really ignite an passion, excitement, and enthusiasm for achieving them. It gives you a twinkle in your eye. And that can be one big goal, like saving up a deposit for a home or investing enough for retirement. You take that big goal. And then I personally, the way I do my goals, I work backwards from that. So probably the opposite of what most people like to do, but it gives me the end point and then I can work out the steps that I need to get me there. And they're all positively correlated to achieving that goal. So say, for example, I have a goal to build $100,000 in shares. You know, I will then go, okay, all right. Well, that means I need to save $300 a month for this much time. And then I'll also brainstorm ideas that will help me like leapfrog and make that goal happen faster or more efficiently or with 
you know, more pleasure and think, okay, what are the fun things I can do in my life to make that goal happen faster? But I always start with the big goal and then work backwards. Mm. Ah, wow. So what are some goals that you think can inspire us? Like have you found things that people are more likely to want to set aside money for? Like we have to restump our house. Not inspiring. No. Right? <laughs> so what's the opposite of that? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you know, it's everyone's so personal. I recommend you spend time thinking about the values behind your goal. A lot of goals can feel we drop the ball, we lose interest, we get distracted. But when you think about the actual underlying values behind that goal and can make you really aware of them, it triggers a different level of passion and dedication and commitment towards achieving that goal. So for example, if I said to myself, well, I want to lose two kilos or whatever it might be, that does nothing for me. But if I focus on the valley behind losing that two kilos, which will mean I'll sleep better, I'll have more energy to get through the day, I won't get that afternoon slump, I will feel inspired to make better food choices, I'll have less sugar cravings and less mood swings. The actual benefits and values behind that will actually trigger me to actually go, you know what, I'm going to give this a really good go at losing the two kilos because that's what's going to bring into my life. So when it comes to finances, I think finance and personal finances and wealth creation has previously been quite a boring and dry topic, you know, and it's Mm. been very male driven and there's been a lot of, I guess, assumptions that it's about, you know, packing your lunch and being frugal mm. and mean <laughs> boring. and boring. Never and having a coffee. Yeah. Buy yourself a nice new jumper mm. or handbag, mm. heaven mm. forbid. And always, you know, looking to cut corners. That's not for me what the wealth creation journey yeah. is about. And that's why my book, Mindful Money, and all my content is very much driven about building a long term growing passive income. So this is where the magic of the budget comes in. When it comes to setting goals, obviously financial goals, I recommend people have a goal to build up what I call is your mindful money number. So that is a certain amount of passive income where you build it obviously through investing over time. And look, it doesn't happen overnight. I'm not a get rich quick schemer. I'm a financial planner, but you invest over a period of time using various different strategies that are right for you. And obviously you get personal professional advice from a financial planner, but Mm -hmm. you build up a long-term growing passive income stream. And ideally that income stream covers your living expenses, covers all of them or part of them. And that can mean you can reduce your workload. Maybe it can mean you can give more to charity. Maybe it can mean you can pay for your, your excessive lifestyle needs, like extra holidays and stuff like that. It gives you that freedom and that choice. So building a goal around a mindful money number, I think is very, very powerful. And I know from being a financial planner for 15 years, working with clients of all different financial backgrounds and different levels of financial knowledge and experience and education, that is a big catalyst for a hugely positive change and shift in their habits and their attitudes towards money and investing. Mm. And imagine, you know, if you're earning an extra $30,000 a year in income that you don't physically get out of bed. That can pay for, you know, the family's holiday. That might mean you can cut down to two or three days a week work instead of five, you know, or you can afford to take a career change. These things are, gives you that freedom that and a greater meaningfulness and richness to life. And that's what I'm all about. And that obviously comes from, you know, investing and being smart with your money over time and making sound decisions. Mm. So helpful. This scenario is very typical for us. We have money set aside for a holiday or lunch with friends and then the kids come home, they're desperate for a new scooter or their school jumpers ripped. When do you dip into savings? Because we find it hard not to put the kids first. So easily done. I have three children. 
I feel guilty and, and do similar things as well. Look, mm. some of these things should be in the budget. They shouldn't be f- mm. from savings. They actually should be factored into the budget. So, for example, I have my children's clothes, like a, a certain amount allocated each month for the kids' clothing. Now, the, I don't buy my kids' clothing every month. That's ridiculous. But it means I've got a certain amount in my budget always there, which I can then use for the natural wear and tear of clothes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With holidays, we have in our family budget a certain amount of money that goes into a separate savings account that's nicknamed our holiday savings account. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that we are slowly and steadily building that up throughout the year. Mm. So we don't ever have to dip into the, the big savings, which we, we don't have because we have a mortgage, <laughs> but it means it's <laughs> yes, always I, allocated. I think when people do their yeah. budgets too tightly or exclude too many things, it's a recipe for disaster and you fall off the bandwagon. And also, you know, it's like being in toxic debt. Yeah. When you fall off the bandwagon, you, you don't really, you don't feel good about yourself and you don't feel great about getting back on top of it again. It's quite a sabotaging and self-destructive space to be in. I have twin boys who love skiing, and so I have a holiday account that's just called Snow. Oh, and I love that. Yeah, and so I just put a certain amount into that each fortnight, but I will mm. do anything. I just don't want to pull any money out because I'm yeah. like, this is, you know, yeah. we've dreamed towards this. Yeah. We get to go once a year. So, yeah, I really, yeah. And, look, this is, again, why you need the emergency money as well. You have emergency money, and, look, life happens. Don't beat yourself up when, you know, something unexpected happened and, you know, something out of the blue that you genuinely couldn't have prepared for. All right. So if you have to take a little bit of a step back and the holiday isn't going to be as long or it's going to delay it for a month, that's okay. You'll be all right. I I think that's how we've, I don't know, maybe I'm talking as a woman, but I Mm. feel like that's how we've really been told we have to live with money. Whereas I feel Mm. like sometimes men weren't told that, but Mm. maybe just growing up with that, you know, generation where my mum had housekeeping. Yeah, uh, yeah, you totally. Know? And so it was up to the mm. women to make sure that dad were frugal. would give mum the money for yeah. their weekly shopping. So to grow yeah. up seeing that, yeah, yeah it's we've really had, different. To we've now. come a long way, us Gen Xers. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had to learn a lot, haven't we? we? Have, yeah, because yeah. we didn't have it role modelled. No. And I have to say, with your note on you know your snow account, which I love, it's how does that help your headspace, knowing that you've got that money slowly and steadily building up through the year, knowing you're going to go on that holiday with your boys. Uh a real a lot. It helps my headspace mm. a lot, and yeah. I took a dip during COVID because I couldn't go. Mm. But yeah, and I think when I'm putting that, you know, two hundred dollars a fortnight or whatever in there, I feel really proud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I worked for this. Yes, and I'm giving them that holiday. And when we get there, I don't have to go into debt to do yeah. anything when we're there. Yeah, you have a guilt-free holiday. Yes, and I know that for me, when I if we're, if we're having a, I'm having a bad day or a bad week, and I doing my internet banking and I see that holiday savings account, mm. even if it's only got a little bit in there, I'm like, it's kind of like a little light at the end of the tunnel. Like yes. you're not going to go on holiday and you're going to have that money there and you're going to pay for it all in full before you go and you'll even have mm. spending money in that account. It's, it helps you get through, you know, the tough days. It really does. And I probably suppose just acknowledge that a lot of us haven't been able to do holidays for some people stuck in lockdown. So, yes. you know, that has... Been hard, hasn't well, it? Well, it goes to show how important it is it to have does. that goal and it then does. to get it. And then when the world opens up, boom, you can go. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a friend who was savings. like, we're yes. going to Uluru this weekend, and off they went. And I was like, wow. Australia <laughs> opened, off they went. <laughs> yeah, people in Melbourne were desperate. <laughs> this is a big one. How do you get over the guilt factor when spending? Such a great one. It needs to be explored because, as you said, some women really beat themselves up about spending money and think they don't deserve it and it's a self-worth issue. But I have to say there are plenty of people out there who are feeling guilty because 
they know they don't really deserve it, you know, for the, the correct reasons. So this is why I always think having a financial goal is so important to your mental health because it helps you prioritize what's important to you. And you can actually think about, okay, well, you know what? I'm buying myself a new dress this weekend, but that's okay because I've actually been really responsible with my money and I've built up my emergency savings. I paid off my credit card. I've been maintaining my budget correctly and, you know, making my paychecks properly last. And I've even set aside some money, you know, to look towards investing. When you start doing that, you don't experience guilt when you go out and buy that yeah. dress. Mm. It's yeah. fine. It's okay. It's terrific. Mm, yeah. And true. that's the way it should be. So, Sometimes you can really beat yourself up unnecessarily and it's perfectly fine and safe to go and splurge and do something for yourself. But having those boundaries of some financial goals so that you know that you're not just, okay, well, buying something yourself, something to get deeper into credit card debt. Yes. Yeah, that, that, there's that's... a reason why you're feeling guilty because it's not a financially wise or responsible thing to do for yourself. Okay, so we're spending money, but how should we reduce debt? I think after the last year and a half, this is much more important to a lot of us. I am a huge advocate of the debt-free community. And obviously there's two different types of debt. There's healthy debt, which is investment debt. And typically, you know, healthy debt is tax deductible. It's an asset. You've used, borrowed that money to buy an asset that provides you with an income stream and grows in value. And as I said, potentially gives you some tax advantages along the way. Toxic debt is debt where you've bought something that depreciates in value, gives you no tax advantages whatsoever, and definitely doesn't provide you with an income. So if I was to go and borrow $200 to go and buy you know, a new iPhone or an iPad or something like that, that would be toxic debt. So it depends what type of debt we're talking about here. If it's something like a home loan, which yes, I know it grows in value a home, but it's, it's obviously all relative. One of the quickest and easiest ways that so many people don't ever bother doing, and that is looking at the interest rate that you're paying. So many people get, it's called loyalty tax, but I call it lazy tax. Shop around and see if you can get a better interest rate. And mm. it's funny, you think, oh no, it was the point, I've got to refinance, it's really hard. This day and age is actually really easy to refinance, but a couple of basis points off your home loan can save you two, $300 a yes. month very, very That's easily. a lot of money, yep. yeah. Okay, yes, initially you've got to set it up and potentially move banks, but as I said, I've done this plenty of times and I do this for clients, it's not that hard. Mm. And there is instantly savings, you know, and if you think about that on a daily basis, that means you don't need to take a pack lunch to work. <laughs> yes, true. So looking at refinancing, if you do refinance, I always recommend don't restart the loan term because you don't want to be, say, five years into paying off your home loan to then go on to a new 30-year term because you're just pushing mm. that out. Yeah. Try and stick yes. to the loan term so that you're refinancing with a new 25-year loan, if that's the case. Yep. Yeah. But then, you know, go through your budget. Look at where you're wasting money. And if you go through your budget and, you know, I'll use that example of when I cut my Foxtel out of my budget, I increased my mortgage repayment by that $80 a month. Mm. So that the money, those savings and that money didn't evaporate. Yeah, so easy to evaporate. Because it's very easy for that $80 a month to be then used towards some other subscription. So. Yes. Oh, <laughs> easy. What age do you think we should start thinking about retirement and how much money do we actually need? <laughs> You can start thinking about retirement as early as you like. It's you know, it's never too early. Right. I actually even in my book, Mindful Money, I talk about a superannuation idea for, for children as well. So, and obviously the earlier you start, the easier your financial journey is going to be. Yes. There's the answer to that. But the question as to how much money you need to retire is mm. very subjective. It depends on where do you live, the lifestyle that you live and that you want to live during retirement, your health, you know, the assets you've got to outside of superannuation to live off, what, how much you've got in superannuation. So 
It's a lot more than most people think. I know there's a lot of media that's come out recently telling people that they don't actually need as much as they think, but those numbers are really disturbingly wrong and misleading in my opinion. We do need a lot more because we need our money to keep up with inflation for a start. And most people want to maintain their lifestyle during retirement. When Mm. you really ask someone, what do you want your retirement to look like? They'll tell you, well, I want to be able to go on at least one overseas holiday a year Mm. and maybe one domestic holiday a year. Now you've got to factor that in to their living expenses and they've still got to maintain white goods, maintain Mm. cars Mm. and maintain Mm. homes. So these are all things that, you know, people really need to think about. So Again, coming back to that goal of having a mindful money number where you are over the period of say 20 years, even 30 years, you're slowly building up that passive income stream that covers that. That's going to hugely help you in that retirement journey because you think, well, you know what? I've got $30,000 a year off my superannuation account, but I also have another $30,000 a year coming off from my share portfolio as well. So my advice to anyone is if they're worried about having enough money in retirement, go and speak to a professional. Yes. Good idea. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. You did a great job. Oh, Kate, I'm so motivated to go out and live my dream lifestyle now. I'm ready, world. (laughs) And at the end of the day, we just want to find a nice balance between Mm. providing for our families and being able to live the lifestyle we want. Yeah, definitely, Mandy. And it really puts things into perspective. And as much as I hate to say this and be boring, budgets and planning are the key. When I think of dream lifestyle, I thought of people who live on the Gold Coast with massive yachts. <laughs> but my dream lifestyle can be paying off my house a bit yes. more in the beautiful outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne yes. and taking my boys to the snow once a year. Yeah. Right? That's an achievable dream. That's right. And I'm willing to save for it. I loved her discussion about the picture of the playground mm. and the budget is like the fence. fence. And yeah. I've already said this to my three girls yesterday. Mm. Mm. And I said, so then inside the fence of the playground – you can play. Yeah. You can pay your bills. You can save for things. I love that yeah, picture. And there's enough money left to go down the slide. Yes. Yeah. And it's not a snakes and ladders scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but used to be. <laughs> As a woman and a parent, it really gave me confidence. And it also, sometimes I feel guilty about putting money aside for the holidays when I think, oh, I should be putting that aside for something else. But actually, having that lifestyle is something worth investing in and she really made me feel okay about that. And don't we know that now as people that have not been able to have holidays, actually Mm. what we wouldn't give, like we were meant Mm. to be on a holiday right now. Now I'm thinking that would have been so lovely to have that time. I can't wait to be able to do that again. Yeah, and just be with our friends and families and actually that's a beautiful lifestyle dream. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Oh, no. You know, it can just be some time away together. Yep, caravan park by the beach sounds awesome. Oh, love it. Mandy, I have really loved being a part of the Make It Count podcast with Bendigo Bank. Me too. And I feel inspired and motivated to make some positive changes for my family's financial future. Bendigo Bank really is looking out for parents Mm. like us, providing these fantastic insights about our finances. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, me too. And all the tips and suggestions around what we should be thinking about when it comes to money and our loved ones Mm. have been really valuable. Look, clearly, we are not (laughs) financial experts, but we do love our families and we want to live as comfortably as possible. And all these guests we've had from wealth managers, home loan experts, economists and financial planners have really helped me feel more in control of planning for my financial future and my family's financial future. So we hope that Make It Count did that for you too. Thank you to Bendigo Mm. Bank for providing us with the tips and tricks we need to really make it count. 
Thanks for listening to Make It Count. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a review letting us know what you enjoyed most. This also helps others find the podcast. This podcast is proudly produced by Bendigo Bank. As always, this episode contains general information only and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situations or needs.